Well, hello, CMYK community, and welcome to another CMYK Talk podcast. My name is Matt, and if you're listening in for the first time, as always, just want to say welcome. Uh, So glad and honored that you would choose to listen in, be a part of these conversations, wrestling through these things, thinking through these things, and hopefully having some connections and conversations of your own around these things, because we think this stuff matters, and that's why we do all of this. Today, uh, we are wrapping up a series of talks that we've been in for the last few weeks entitled, Re-Understanding Heaven and Hell. All of us carry a story and a narrative about these two ideas and things, whether we grew up within Christianity or not. It's something that we've heard of, we've probably seen pictures of, we've probably seen some dramatic representations of in one way or another. But for us, this series has been about trying to understand, okay, what do the scriptures honestly say about these two topics, and how are we supposed to go about them in a beautiful way, in the here and the now, in this moment, and that would point us towards something potentially eternal and past the breath in our lungs and what it could possibly look like and be like if eternity is a part of this human soul and our experience. And what I want to do today is to try and understand something. And I want to understand this thing in the context or in the place of knowing that, again, this is potentially a controversial thing for a lot of people, to talk about heaven in the way that we've talked about, to talk about hell in the way that we've talked about and tried to wrestle through it, to talk about salvation, to talk about all of this stuff can be really controversial because, again, we all grew up with these narratives and the minute someone starts going, hey, I wonder if that's not the way that we think it is, it can, there's this thing in us that just rises up and go, hey, who does this guy think he is? He can't say that. He can't go that. And I just want to say, I get that. I get that. So the way I want to land the plane today with this series is I want to just point out and recognize something that I think all of us, wherever you are, can hopefully agree on and um, see as significant and important. And it's this, wherever you are within the Christian spectrum, or however your experience of Christianity has been in the past or is now, I would hope, and I think most of us would find that there is this cornerstone of the Christian faith and belief that revolves around this idea of grace. Grace is this concept and idea that there is an invitation present to see the life of Christ and to choose to follow this path in this way of Christ. In other words, grace means it's just free. It's there. It's an opportunity. And within that, there's no ritual or sacrifice that you have to bring to make this life or to activate this life of Christ, to see this love and embrace of Christ now. It's a gift that's already present. It's here now in this moment. And there is a love and embrace present now. So grace is the opportunity to see that invitation independent of where we've been, independent of what we've done or seen or experienced or done to others. It's an invitation here and now to say, okay, this way of Christ, this life of Christ is a better and more beautiful way to go about things. And so I'm just going to choose to pick that up and believe that as I continue to step out this life, that this is the best way forward. And the crux of all of this, this idea of grace, it comes down to you and to me and our choice. In other words, is this path, this life of Christ, something that you want? Again, independent of what you've done, been seen, chosen in the past, is this something you want? Do you see this life of Christ and go, yes, That's it. There's something good, true, and beautiful there that I want to lean into. It's your choice. This is grace. 
You're not tied down to do anything or to be anybody that you would choose not to do or choose not to be. You're not forced into anything. This idea of Christianity is not about manipulation or trying to control people to do certain things and not do other things. The crux of the Christian experience and belief system is grace. It's here. It's now. Do you want it? Do you want to experience and go after this life of Christ? When you hear and see the invitation of Christ, is it something you desire? And the idea of grace is, if that's something you want, great, welcome. You are now at the table and a part of the family. You are now on the same level in the same plane and playing field as anybody and everybody else that would choose to be a part of this thing. There's no hierarchy here. You are just invited to come and bring yourself fully who you are to be a part of this. But if you choose not to, If there's something in you that goes, yeah, this way of Christ, this idea, this stuff, not for me at all. The idea of grace is okay. That's your choice. You can choose something different. You can choose a different path, a different belief system, a different approach to life and how you're choosing to go about the things around you. Okay, it's your choice. Which is where the conversation of heaven and hell come in. Because to choose, as we've talked about up to this point in this series, to choose the path of Christ, the story of Christianity would go that there is heaven to be found there in the here and the now and for eternity. That there is this grace, this peace, this interaction uh, where there is love and embrace that are central to every moment and every move Uh, that we would choose to make. This is heaven to experience that and to be a part of that and to see that more and more and more, a real heaven. And the choice to not follow this path of Christ is to find potentially your life in a place of hell. It's a place where greed, where anger and lust, control, unforgiveness, guilt, and shame are the driving narratives of the land, of the space that you would choose to inhabit it. Your life in the here and the now are motivated and driven by these things and creating the world around you. And it's something that can be experienced for eternity. To continue to choose a path, again, where these things, greed, lust, control, anger, unforgiveness, guilt, shame, these things continue to dominate the world, culture, and life within and around you. Grace is this idea that you get what you want. And the invitation of Christ is to say, do you want this? (laughs) Do you see these things of the path of Christ as good, true, and beautiful? Then welcome and be a part of it. Or, Do you see another way and another path outside of forgiveness, peace, love, embrace, seeing everyone as your brother, your neighbor, your sister? Do you see a different path than those kinds of things as better, more beautiful, true? Then you can go after that. And the scripture and the biblical narrative is one that says it's in this decision, in this choice that you are free to make, that you And I have the potential to create and experience hell and to be a part of that for all eternity. You get what you 
want. And you will continue to get what you want, according to the scriptures, for all eternity. I find it significant the way that uh, Rob Bell puts it in his book, Love Wins. He says, if we want isolation, despair, and the right to be our own God, God graciously grants us that option. If we insist on using our God-given power and strength to make the world in our own image, God allows us that freedom. We have the kind of license to that. If we want nothing to do with light, hope, love, grace, and peace, God respects that desire on our part, and we are given a life free from any of those realities. The more we want nothing to do with God is, the more distance and space are created. If we want nothing to do with love, we are given a reality free from love. You get what you want. I get what I want. It's grace. Which when we talk about this idea of heaven and hell, particularly when we look at the last book within the Bible, which is some of the kind of most poetic language and imagery around these ideas of heaven and hell, what we find is a picture like this. This is the very last chapter of the scriptures, and it says this, talking about the new heavens and the new earth. So basically, when everybody is found in the choice that they have made, it says, In Revelation 22, verse 14, Blessed are those who wash their robes, so that they may have the right to the tree of life, and that they may enter the city gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers, and the sexually immoral, and murderers and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. The spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty, Come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I hope you see and experience the the imagery and idea behind this picture, that there's a choice that's being made, that there are those who are choosing to wash their robes, in other words, say, okay, I understand that I, I can go about my life driven by greed and unforgiveness, these kinds of things, but I'm going to choose to kind of wash myself of those things and choose to step into this other path, into these city gates, and choose to live here, choose to be a part of this kind of life. And the images outside, there are those that are choosing something different. Sexual immorality, murderers, idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. There's an idea behind this image that's being paint, painted that the people with out, outside the city gates This is what they love. (laughs) This is where they want to be. And yes, scripturally, as we talked about last week, they might be in anguish, but there's this thing within their choice that they're saying, this is something that I want and that I'm going after. It's choice. And what's fascinating about this picture and what's fascinating about this whole invitation that comes in that last, remember that last verse, the spirit and the bride say, come, let the one who hears say, come, and let one who is thirsty come, let the one who desires take the water of life without price. This is a picture that's happening after the new heavens and the new earth have already come and are a part of this thing. In other words, there's still a conversation that's happening in heaven, according to the scriptures, where there is continually this invitation of, hey, Hey, come on, there's a better way. Come, come. Are you are you interested in coming into these city gates and being a part of this kind of stuff? Come on, come on. That it's still happening within heaven. And then things get really interesting when you start to look at this uh, text that's a little earlier in Revelation, again, talking about the new heavens and the new earth. And it says this in chapter 21, verse 22. 
The, the writer of the text, John says, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of a sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the Lamb. There's something really beautiful that's happening here. But then here's where things get fascinating. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. So not only is this conversation happening in heaven of this invitation, hey, come, come, anybody that wants to be a part of it, anybody that's outside of the city gates, you're welcome here. But then there is this incredibly strong image and language about the gates are always open, they're never closed, because they're always open during the day, and guess what? There's no night here. <laughs> so all the gates are always open, and the lights are always on. There is this invitation in Scripture to see a picture of choice, continual choice. And I know for some of us, this is something that that teeters on universalism or teeters on, hey, you can't go down that path. You can't talk about it. But you and I have to wrestle with these images that are found within the scriptures then. We have to wrestle with the idea that God is inviting and we're seeing all the nations as a part of this place. It's found everywhere in the texts. On top of that, there's this idea continually where God is reconciling all things, bringing unity to all things. And so here's this image. The door's always open, and the lights are always on, and this invitation is found of come, anyone who wants to be a part of this, come. So what does that mean? Does this mean that anybody at any time during their life and even after their life can choose to follow Christ, this path of Christ, and find themselves in heaven? Is the choice always there? Or is it only found on this side of eternity? And my answer to that question is, I don't know. Obviously, I know what the scriptures say and the image that it's painting, but I don't know. But here's what I do know. Anytime I need to make a decision in a pressurized situation, when I only have a short window of time and I need to make the right decision or I'm going to regret it, I seem to make not as quality of decisions. Like when I'm sitting at a, at, in a restaurant and we're sitting at a table with a, a large group of people and it comes to that point when the waitress comes up and she asks the question that we all know is coming, and it, that's, are you ready to order? And there's like four or five people at the table, and they all say, yeah, we're ready to order. But I know I'm not ready to order. I, I've been too busy talking. I've been too busy listening. I've been too busy goofing off, whatever it is. But I haven't yet perused the menu enough to know what I want to order. It's in that moment that all of a sudden I feel this pressure because I know everybody's going to go around. And I could even say the statement that we've all used before of like, hey, you know, pick me last because I'm not ready yet. And it's in that moment that I peruse the menu and I look for something and I'm longing to make the right best decision because it's food. Come on. It's, I want to make a good decision, right? And so everybody goes around and then it comes to me and I have 
I've had this internal wrestling match. I've thought about, do I want to, you know, stay in the salad realm and do something healthy? Or do I want to go with a burger and, you know, you know, make myself not as healthy or happy after the meal, but it's going to be good in the moment. I want to go with regular fries or sweet potato fries. Should I get a side of ranch or should maybe I just hang out in the appetizer menu because I really like the wings here. And so I should probably just get some wings and maybe some veggies and I could call that a meal. Like I have all of these conversations in this one minute time window. And by the time it comes around to me, I'm left with choosing. And I simply say something to the effect of, I'll have that. And I don't even know really what I ordered. I know the minute it comes out of my mouth and she's gone that I regret the decision that I've made. But I know, well, now I got to live with it. Because anytime there's a pressurized decision that I have to make, it seems like I never am good at making the right one. And what I know is that for many of us, Christianity and this story of heaven and hell can be driven by a pressurized decision. Are you going to choose to follow Christ and spend eternity in heaven where everything is awesome all the time? Or are you going to choose to not follow Christ and spend eternity in hell, in torment, in flames, and in anguish? And there's this pressurized thing that's brought to it of you don't know when you're going to die. It could be on the drive home today. And so choose wisely. And so all of a sudden we have a faith and we have a belief system that is driven around this pressurized idea that you better choose now. We have relationships where we see people that are maybe outside of Christianity, outside of faith, and we have this narrative that we bring to them that we're working hard to get them to make the choice that we want them to make so that we can know that everything is good for them as well. And there's this pressure, this timeline that's, that really is unknown that we're all driven by. And is that really the best space if all of this Christianity is driven by the idea of choice and your choice to follow Christ is adding pressure into it the best thing? And I would say no. Because I know that when I go to a restaurant... And I've got plenty of time, or particularly if it's a restaurant that I've been at many times and I've experienced a few things on the menu or at least one thing on the menu that I know that I like, that's an easy choice. And I've, ta- I've taken my time. I've thought through all the op- excuse me, I've thought through all the options, and I'm ready to make my choice. And I'm confident and excited the minute the waitress rocks away, I can't wait to experience what's coming my way. Because choice was made without pressure. Choice was made with understanding and experience. And that choice was something that I can celebrate and lean into. I believe what's happening here with this invitation, the choice that you get what you want. Do you want to follow this way of Christ? This is what Christianity is about. And then you introduce this image of revelation and this choice all of a sudden has some time attached to it. It's no longer this pressurized situation. It's an invitation to see Following Christ is something that we should lean into fully because we have the time to wrestle, to process, to experience, and to choose that with our full heart and our full mind compared to a pressurized choice of you better do this or else and it could happen at any moment that you're going to die and spend eternity in hell. So all of a sudden, you have a lot of people who have made a 
choice, quote-unquote, for Christ, but it's not truly leaning into, it's not truly wrestling with the teachings and the path and the way of Christ, it's simply a choice that they made because they didn't want to screw up. You and I are invited to really wrestle with this stuff and lean into this life of Christ because we have time to do that. That's what this is all about, that you and I would truly, with our whole heart and with our whole mind, say, yes, this is what I want. Grace, peace, love, embrace, forgiveness. These are the best things and the best way forward. And to understand that I've got time to truly wrestle through that decision Because there are moments in my life where I don't know that this way of Christ is the best way forward. I want to say that I believe that. I want to say that that's the best way. But I have moments all the time where I don't really know. And so I am invited to take the time and energy to really wrestle with it rather than feel like I have this pressure that, nope, I better better keep saying that or I'm going to go to hell for eternity. So you take things like I've talked about on this podcast before, the moment when Donald Trump was elected president, independent of his politics, independent of his policies and what he's, uh, how he's choosing to lead the country, there was this moment for me of wrestling with the reality that the bully won the election. The guy that called other people names, the guy that tore other people down, and lifted himself up regularly, he was the one that got his way. He was the one that we as a country said he's our leader. And that was a real struggle for me because I'm, I'm someone that wants to lean into the way of Christ, that humility is the best way forward, that choosing to lay your life down for the sake of others is the best way forward, not continually propping yourself and your name up. But here was a story that was right in front of me that the bully gets his way. And it was a wrestling match for me. Again, independent of politics, it was a wrestling match for me of, do I really believe this way of Christ? Because it seems like it would just be easier. It seems like there's a part of me that just wants to lean into and believe, man, Matt, be a bully. Just get what you can get that's yours now. And if it takes other people out, if it tears them down, fine. But just get what's yours. Or even the concept of greed, wondering and wrestling with, should I just go after more and more and more? Is happiness on the other side of that? That that, that should be the drive and the passion of my life? And here's what I know. I have the invitation because of the choice of Christianity and the time that's given through these stories and images of Scripture to really wrestle through this stuff and to truly make the decision that I want to make and that I truly believe that yes, sacrifice and choosing to live with enough are the best way forwards compared to greed. And it's not with a gun to my head, choose this or else. It's because I'm actually honestly wrestling with it. And I would say it's it's wrestling with the the things of hell, if you will, greed and selfishness and pride and arrogance. It's wrestling through those things, but it's also the choice to wrestle through 
the things of Christ as well, because these things can be very uh, controversial, and I can really struggle with these images that I'm pursuing when it comes to what heaven looks like as well. Because remember, heaven is a place where every nation is there. That it's there's people that I don't necessarily understand or agree with on everything because everybody's there. So it's not just people that look like me, talk like me, and act like me. And then I, I got to be honest. There's a part of me that I get, I'm comfortable around people that look like me, act like me, talk like me. But people that don't, I can get really uncomfortable with. Or this idea that everyone is on the same level. Everyone is welcome to the table. And I know my life and my tendency is to to think that I'm better than others. I've, I deserve this. I earn this because of look at what all I've done and experienced and walked through. And they haven't done any of these things. And so they haven't earned it. And here's this image of heaven that I, I honestly can wrestle with. Of is, is, everybody, is everybody really welcome at the table? Is every, they can, everybody gets the invitation and can just choose? That can be a difficult thing. Or how about this? That heaven is a space where forgiveness is the narrative. And that means there's forgiveness for everyone, for everything. People who have hurt me, people who have hurt others and done the most atrocious things, they're at the table as well. That's the invitation of Christ. This is the picture of heaven. And this is a strong picture. And one that I think if we're honest, we have to wrestle with and ask, do, do we really want that? I, I find it significant the way that Bradley Jersick says it in uh, his book, Her Gates Shall Never Be Shut, Hope, Hell, and the New Jerusalem. He says this. He says at Christ's table, Former government death squad members and terrorist rebels embrace. The disappeared reappeared, resurrected to speak the word of release to their torturers. Occupying forces bend the knee before those whom they sequestered in refugee camps. Holocaust victims who went like sheep to the slaughter make gracious eye contact with the wolves who gas them. Heaven is a place that, on God's holy mountain, all harm is abolished. From lime pits to extraordinary rendition to suicide bombing, humanity's nightmare is exposed and washed out like camera film in the sun's brightness. So I can wrestle with desiring the things that are not of heaven, greed and selfishness, desire for more and more and more and more, anger, control, unforgiveness. But I can also, if I'm, if I'm honest, wrestle with the strong and controversial image of what heaven is as well. And what the scriptures invite us to do is to wrestle with that and to choose for ourselves. Who are we going to follow? What do we think is best? Because not only do you have choice, but we have time. So continue to wrestle. And so the question, I think as we close, so how then do I wrestle? What does that look like? And for me and for many of us within this CMYK community, that, that question is answered in how we're choosing to operate as a community. That we believe that there is this invitation to be present, to be honest, to be open, and to be the embodiment of love. 
If first and foremost, this wrestling match is found in us just being present at the table, being present with one another, having conversations like this, and whether that's at a Sunday gathering or whether that's found at a meal or with some friends or neighbors or family, whoever it is, that we're just present fully with one another. And it's in that space that we're then honest. We're honest about the places that we're still wrestling with. We're still questioning. I still don't know about this concept of this idea of greed and whether or not it's the best way forward. I still don't know if this idea of forgiveness and true, honest forgiveness for everyone is something that I, I honestly lean into and believe in. Whatever your honest places that we just are found there. But it doesn't stop there that we also work to be open, to understand that I don't know everything, I don't have the corner market on everything, but I'm here to listen, to be a part of the conversation, and to understand that there is this redemptive work of Christ, redemptive work of the Spirit of God, the divine that is a part of my life, and there are other people that are a part of this redemptive work of my life as well. And that I would be open to continue to grow, to think about things, to process things, to go places and experience things that maybe I'm not the most comfortable in, but I would go in those places and experience those kinds of things and have those kinds of conversations for the sake of wrestling well. Rather than just creating a structured environment where I'm comfortable and I don't have to deal with the things I don't want to deal with. And last but not least, I believe this wrestling is found in my choice to continue to be, as I'm present, honest, and open, to continue to be the embodiment of love and to be loved by others as well. This is how we wrestle. And so, to wrap up this entire series, there is heaven and there is hell. In the here and the now, a choice for how you're choosing to live your life and what you're creating around you and the potential of eternity. And it's all driven by your choice. What do you believe is the best way forward? What do you believe is the best way to interact with your friends, your family, your spouse, your neighbors, your coworkers? What do you believe is the best way forward for us as a country politically? What do you believe is the best way forward for your neighbors, for the homeless, for those that have hurt you and wronged you, those that have said things behind your back that you found out later and you know that they said those things? What is the best way forward for them and in that situation? What is the best way forward for that family member that continues to hurt you and hurt you and hurt you and continue to deal wrong after wrong after wrong? What is the best way forward? Because your choices are going to point you in a certain direction, but the invitation is to truly wrestle with that choice and to find yourself truly leaning into, yes, this is the best way, this path of Christ or something else, because you have time to make the choice. Are you wrestling? Are you being present and honest? Are you being open? Are you working to be the embodiment of love? This is heaven and hell for us to continue to find ourselves there and to know that no matter what, the door is always open and the lights are always on. I love you. I hope you have an incredible week and we will be back next week.